0: Urination. Urination and urination and urination. No, I'm not not making my friends nations. Urination. A thoughtful gentleman in the privacy of his own home, not in public, that's gross. A thoughtful gentleman in the privacy of his own home should urinate sitting down. Creates way less man jazz for the cleaning process. Way less man and who likes man jazz? Who wants to deal with that cacophony of uh not this cleaner? You can keep your man jazz. Plus, I also have a theory that I've consulted no physicians about, so don't take my word for it. That it also improves digestive health. I have a theory it improves digestive health. So are you a thoughtful gentleman? Or are you not? And ladies, do you live with a thoughtful gentleman? Or do you not? Because in the privacy of his own home, a thoughtful gentleman? He's having a seat. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's uh, called Bob's Fishbowl. I'm, I'm, I'm Bob. My fishbowl's over here. Don't worry. Fishbee is still here. And the capacity is my emotional support fishbowl. I'm tapping the little sombrero as we speak. <laughs> Hello, fishbeat. Just in an emotional support role again tonight. Woke up to just awful news. I don't like waking up. I have a tough time with mornings as it is. That's typically during the course of the day when I feel my worst is in the mornings. But just tragic news. Congressman and chairman of the Oversight Committee, Elijah Cummings, longtime Democrat from Maryland, passed away. Oh my God. Only 68 years old. It's like young enough to be Nancy Pelosi's kid, and he died. And the thing that really breaks my heart about this is Elijah Cummings, beloved by so many on both sides of the aisle a true gentleman, don't ask me what he did in the bathroom, I don't know, but a a real gentleman, a statesman, civil rights activist, and so much more than that. But he loved this country, real patriot, and he died with a broken heart because of where this country is right now under this president, it breaks my heart, but it breaks my heart so much more on behalf of him. That's a real fucker. You want to hear something that'll... uh, This isn't going to cheer you up either, my God. Not everything is going to bum you out, I promise, but we got to talk about this. You know Moody's, the investment people, the money people, Moody's? Of course you do. You're so much smarter than me. Why why would I even ask if you know who Moody's is? Of course you know who Moody's is. But I didn't realize that Moody's was in the presidential prediction business. Part of their economic forecast... Predicting the future, where's that stock market going to go, who the president is, makes a big difference. Moody's has been doing this for a long-ass time, and they've only been wrong once before. They just released three models, and all three of Moody's models, only been wrong once before, and all three of Moody's models... That's probably a podcast. Is there a podcast called Moody's Models? I bet there is. There's a podcast called I mean, everyone has one at this point. But Trump not only holds all the Midwestern industrial states, because the most, actually, Moody says, the most accurate model, and this makes sense, is the average of the three models. And when you average the three models, Trump not only holds on to all the Midwestern industrial states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, but also adds New Hampshire, Virginia, and Minnesota. Minnesota, what the fuck? Can we get Klobuchar to the top of this ticket? The three models are the pocketbook model, which apparently is based on gas prices, uh, housing income, and real personal income, or excuse me, housing prices. Under the pocketbook model, Trump gets 351 electoral college votes, 270 needed to win. 271, actually. The stock market model, 289. You can guess what that model's based on. And the unemployment model, which is based on real person income and state-by-state unemployment numbers, Trump gets 332 for an average of 332 electoral college votes to only 206 by the Dems. In 2016, remember, Trump got 305. According to Moody's, 2020 is Trump's to lose. However, there are two big caveats. Moody's has only been wrong once before, as I mentioned. But you know when they were wrong? Last time, just like everybody, 2016. Trump is such a wild card. And all these numbers... They're all based on historical average turnout of the non-incumbent party. If these numbers are record high turnout, Moody says it could be a bloodbath for Trump, metaphorically. Let's see. Let's see what the turnout numbers are. I mean, it's going to be a crazy election. I think the turnout numbers are going to be high on both sides, but We've said it before on this show because it's one of those political facts. Usually the party with the angrier base wins election. And who's going to be angrier? Is it going to be the Democrats? Because they're pretty angry. Or is it going to be the Republicans who are sick and tired of all this presidential harassment when the big guy is doing such a great job? Meanwhile, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, I didn't think this was going to happen, but fuck it is. The annual G7 meeting, it's kind of a big deal. The seven biggest industrial countries in the world. US. has the honor of hosting it next year, and where is, where, 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 where is this thing going down? It was joked about, but, like it's happening. I mean, the backlash was overwhelming. That This is a terrible, terrible, terrible idea. Trump's flailing and failing Miami Doral Resort. Of course. And there's even talks he might still invite Vlad the Impaler Putin. But here's the thing. The reason the G7 is the G7 and not the G8 is because the G7 kicked out Vlad the Impaler Putin. In the words of Nancy Pelosi, all roads lead to Russia. What does he hope? Putin's minions invest in real estate while they're down there? Like, what is... uh, But that's child's play compared to what really made me angry about the president today. And I try to... I try to not let this guy make me, you know, angry, but it happened today. He did this little press gaggle on camera as he typically likes to do when he's on his way someplace, because he's a real jet setter, this president. He was on his way to Dallas for a big, big campaign rally tonight. The American Airlines Arena America Airlines Arena, sorry. Narini sounds like a, a delicious snack of uh, some kind. Uh it's an arena though, not Narini. But on his way there, Trump was talking about the ceasefire in Syria. Turkey, talking Turkey. Of course, he's talking Turkey. It's that time of year. But after Mike Pence announces the announces the ceasefire in Turkey, because because Pence and Secretary Pompeo, we're over there. And Pence, my goodness gracious, I know it's not polite to poke fun at others' religion, but our vice pastor is always shoving it in our face. Always! Separation of church and state, not not for this guy. No fucking way. Not to the vice pastor. Uh Uh-uh. He's one of those people that can't go in any conversation for more than five minutes without that conversation turning into God talk. God talk with a vice pastor. 90 seconds into announcing the ceasefire, it was very important to him that he thank everyone that's been praying. Everyone that's been praying, that's what got it done, the prayers. Back to the president. It's not Pence that got me upset. I just find him ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. But Trump was giving himself a pat on the back. He could not have been more pleased with himself. For all I know, he had one hand in his pants while he was doing this. He looked that pleased with himself. But he was talking about how his rough love is what got this ceasefire done. And how Erdogan was in Incredible leader and a tough guy and respected, and he's a fucking dictator. He's a fucking menace to society. The world is a worse place with that strong man in charge, Erdogan. But of course, Trump loves him because Trump loves strong men. But Trump's rough love and his unconventional methods, he said, got this done. No one could get it done, but Trump got it done. And rough love, it just kept spinning around my brain over and over again. I'm like, rough love, that is an awfully kind euphemism for ethnic cleansing. That's that's a real fuckity fuck of a spin on ethnic cleansing. Rough love. More than a thousand Kurds are displaced. Residents of northern Syria displaced. Widespread death, widespread torture. Lunatics from ISIS back on the loose. And oh yeah, ethnic cleansing. Or as Trump likes to call it, rough love. That got under my skin today. And then the news was on fire today for this Mick Mulvaney press conference. Your acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, did he just admit the quid pro quo? He kind of did. And then later he tried to blame it on the media even though he kind of did Mick Mulvaney admit the quid pro quo. I mean, is Trump just betting on the fact that his voters, that his supporters, that his donors are just so ignorant that they don't understand what a shakedown is? They don't understand what a favor for a favor is? Mick Mulvaney says the U.S. does this all the time with foreign aid. Use foreign aid as a carrot to get nations around the world acting more in accordance with how we'd like them to act. Sure, there's some validity to that. But please, for the love of Jesus Christo, Pastor Pence, tell me that this nation is smart enough to understand the difference between doing that in the national interest and doing that for personal gain because one of those things is in the national interest and one of those things is corrupt to its core and absolutely impeachable. One of the founding fathers' biggest fear in the presidency is that the presidency would use his power to get reelected. That is absolutely 100% wholeheartedly unacceptable to use that power to play outside the traditional rules, and that is what the president has done. And by traditional rules, I mean the law. Fuck you and your unitary executive theory that if the president does it, it can't be illegal. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. And it gets weirder. Gordon Sondland, the ambassador to the EU. And I had a friend ask me about this last night at the billiards hall. I was drinking water. Don't worry about the billiards hall. And he's like, you obviously follow this closely. Like what's going on? And I was explaining Gordon Sondland. And I'm like, the only reason this guy, he has no, has no foreign relations experience. He's the ambassador to the European Union, the EU, because he donated one million dollars to Trump's inaugural parties, it's the only he bought this job. And my friend's like, "What the like? How does that work? Like how how is that how is that right?" Yet yeah, Trump supporters. I mean, God, at the rally tonight in Dallas, I didn't watch it. But at some point, if Trump's going through his greatest hits, at some point, were they chanting, drain the swamp? Were they cheering him for the amazing job he's doing at draining the swamp? Gordon Sondland testifies before Congress that he was told that Rudy Giuliani was going to be the point person on Ukraine. And this is where it gets weird. I mean, this is stuff we already kind of knew, but to have it reinforced day after day after day. But Rudy, as Trump's attorney, this is a a bizarre theory of using an attorney that Trump and Rudy have cooked up. But apparently Rudy is operating under the theory that he has to get Trump elected to keep him from being charged with a crime, giving him, you know, obviously keeping him out of jail if he's not charged with a crime. And the best way to do that is by getting Trump reelected by any means necessary and somehow operating this shadow foreign policy and somehow maintaining that you get to keep this secret because, and everything is on the up and up because the president told you to do it. And then you're going to assert some weird attorney client privilege. Like that's, what's happening here, right? Is it, this is, this, it's just weird, man. It's just weird. Oh, and other Trump news, real quick. Just one last thing. Uh, I swear, Trump does some stuff just to be mean. Uh, if you have kids and and you're on food stamps, uh, all you have to do is is show the school your food stamp stuff. It's called it's called SNAP, but you you show them that stuff, and your kid gets free lunch at school. But not anymore under Trump. Not anymore. No more automatic, like, if you're on food stamps, like, your kid should get free fucking lunch. It's not that expensive. Anyway. Last little piece of, uh, of politics for the night. Uh, tell you this much. Uh, Trump is good for business, though. Good for business! Colbert is re-signed at CBS through 2023, and, uh, Most everyone I know loves Colbert, or at least respects Colbert. Many love. All respect. Can we move on to something a little little more fun now? A little more fun? CNN had this story. It's all over now. But there's a blob, party people! A blob! And off the record, may I say, just loud enough so she can hear it, where the fuck is Jennifer White's Science Corner when you need it? Anyway, continuing. Uh, the blob, the Paris Zoo, unveils unusual organism, to say the least, which can heal itself and has 720 different sexes from CNN. Or, as the president calls it, fake news, I'm sure, this whole thing. It's bright yellow... Can creep along at a speed of up to four centimeters, one point six inches per hour. That's roughly the size of Pat's cock. Uh, it can solve problems, even though it doesn't have a brain, and can heal itself if it is cut into two, like like a like a Terminator. Uh, meet the Blob and friends. Since we don't have Jennifer White Science Corner, what we do have right now is a, a segment much inferior to Jennifer White Science Corner. It's uh. Instead of Bob's fishbowl, uh, welcome to the podcast with another podcast. It's Blob's fishbowl. So meet the blob, the unusual organism, going on display Saturday at the Paris Zoological Park. First of a kind of ex- exhibition to showcase its rare abilities. The slime mold, which is known by its official name, which I can't say, which means the many-headed slime, is neither a plant, an animal, or a fungus. So, so what what is it then? So what is, it's alien, right? It doesn't have two sexes, you know, male and female. It has 720. Like, who counted and how? I don't understand. And it also can split into different organisms and then fuse back together. Terminator? The unicellular being, what, what is It's one cell, I'm very confused, is believed to be around a billion years old did they ask it? But it came to the public's attention in May 1973 after a Texas woman discovered a rapidly expanding yellow blob in her backyard. It became a brief media sensation, but then then it died quickly. It died the blob wasn't, wasn't in it for the long haul. And everyone kind of forgot about this thing until 2016. But this thing. It can learn to ignore nauseous substances and remember that behavior up to a year later. It's also believed capable of solving problems such as finding the shortest way to exit a labyrinth and anticipating changes in the environment. Like, what? What is this? Like, this is clearly an alien. Scientists initially grew it in petri dishes, feeding it its favorite food, oatmeal not making it up oatmeal this the this blob is a is a Quaker blob it likes tree bark too god uh says blobs are normally found on the forest floors in europe yeah and that's uh that's blob's fishbowl tell you what it was no Jennifer White science corner I'm just teasing Jennifer that's not fair to you unless you want to do it but it's, I mean, you know. anyway I'll actually uh I' I'll, uh, I'll be seeing Jennifer on uh on on on, uh, on Saturday I'm going to San Diego to see her so she'll probably punch me in the head you know I uh I was thinking about taking a Deep dive into my listening to a ghost comment from uh from last night, uh, and I'm actually I wasn't being hyperbolic about that. I I wasn't I, I know it's a uh, perhaps not my sanest theory, or is it? Or is it? But that requires a lot. It's it's a lot, and I I'm not frankly i'm not sure if it's in any of us of any of our best interest to go to to go there right now so let's just uh let's just save that save that for another day and uh just lastly real quick friday phone call tomorrow i have an idea i have an idea for the friday phone call and and if i get it right it will be one of and and i'm People that know me, this is a big statement, and I'm serious when I say it. It will be one of the weirdest things I've ever done with a microphone in my life. In my life! In my life! I've done a lot of radio and podcasts at this point. i been thrown out of some of the finest comedy clubs in the country. But I've done a, I've done a lot of crazy shit with microphones, but tomorrow might be the wildest. If it uh, if if it comes together, if it comes together. If not, I'll be calling uh, Neil the Midnight Cowboy, or uh, or Death Metal Pat. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep inserting uh, Death Metal Pat dick jokes until uh, he uh, agrees to come on the show. It's a little a uh, little behind the scenes. Pat's just learning that himself right now, but whatever. That's what best friends are for. We've been best friends since junior high, and then, uh, or my grandma. My grandma's always, uh, always, always good, always good. Or, or I'll just uh, and and if all th- if, if if the first thing doesn't come together, and then all three of those people aren't available, we're just gonna start going through my phone and in alphabetical order until we get a, until we get a Friday phone call. But I think the first idea is gonna gonna come to fruition, and it is gonna be. Something. Definitely something. You have the best night ever. The best morning ever. The best whatever ever. Keep your fingers crossed for tomorrow. I love you. Adios, amigos.